Welcome to episode eight of Tendo Talk, where we bring you the latest and greatest in tech, entertainment, Nintendo, Disney, and other things. My name is Mike. And I'm John. And we have some pretty interesting things to talk about today, as we do every time. Not to say that we don't other times, but, but today is particularly cool. Do you have a favorite episode, John? Um, I do. Am I allowed to have a favorite, though? I will see why not. Is this like, is this like... Something I'm not like, I'm supposed to love all of them equally. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm just curious because uh, I, I actually, I don't think that I have one. I really liked our, uh, our attendees, our attendees one. We got through a lot of stuff that we like talking about in a, in a short amount of time. It was really cool. That's true. That's true. That was, that was a fun one. Anyway, this one's going to be a rip roar in good time. Uh, and we're just going to jump right into it. This, this episode is going to be very Disney centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about some good things. We're going to talk about some not good things. What do you think? Should we get, should we take care of the bad news first? Let's take care of the bad news first. Okay. Give it to me, John. Give it to me straight. Blue Sky Studios, the, the movie studios, uh, that was once Fox owned responsible Mm -hmm. for Ice Age, uh, some other movies that I can't really remember. Rio, uh, (laughs) the Peanuts movie. (laughs) Has, oh, so good. Has, uh, they, they will be closing. Yeah, that is unfortunate. It's always, it's always uh, tough to hear, you know, stories like this come up because uh, without a doubt, you know, the, the team at Blue Sky were clearly very dedicated to their craft. Uh, some of the most talented people in the industry. Uh, so just really, you know, our hearts go out to, to any of them that are suddenly finding themselves uh, on the job market. Um, that said, uh, I think my note to you earlier, John was that sucks and it's sad, but I'm not super surprised. Yeah, I get it. I mean, the, the thing with blue sky studios is that they had, they, they, they were definitely at the, at the forefront of the animation industry at some point, like with ice age they got on, you know, Mm -hmm. just as early as, as, as some other folks into into CG, you know, animation, but, um, you know, then they had Ice Age 2 and 3 and 4 and... <laughs> and I like, actually, I don't know how many Ice Ages there are now. Yeah, I've, I've actually lost count. Oh, okay. Maybe <laughs> We're not four. quite at Land Before Time levels here. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, you know, the early days of... Uh, cinematic 3d animation were kind of the wild west Mm -hmm. and um there was a period of time there where i was kind of priding myself on going out and seeing every single one of them i was too i definitely was was doing that too yeah it was there was a time believe it or not youngsters out there (laughs) it's gonna make us sound really old (laughs) there was a time when you could go out and see every cg animated movie now you can't do that. Yeah. There I mean, there were only many. like maybe one per year, if that. Like it was Toy Story and then a while because Toy Story was yeah. the first and everybody was like, oh my God, how do I do that? So they spent a while figuring it out. Yeah. And it's easy to it's easy to look at the situation back then and think, oh, well, it must have been uh, easy to release CG movies and get all that attention and stuff. But I would say that because the only other player in the game really, well, uh, Pixar and DreamWorks, I think we're both uh, pretty influential studios at the time and, uh, they still are, Mm -hmm. but, uh, 
Ice Age, I think, really sort of, uh, they tapped into into some gold there and captured some imaginations and got people excited about the future of this studio specifically. Yeah, I think it was the first time uh, a studio, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the first time a studio other than DreamWorks and Pixar released a movie like this. Yeah, uh, well, mm, no. I, I'm sure that there's some cinemaphile out there is going to challenge okay, us on that well, one. But, uh, good, good for in them. Term, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i would say in terms of like big commercial success uh it was definitely a standout thing yeah and it was good like it was a it was a, a unique idea it was it was funny it was a very visually pleasing movie to look at and uh and i, I think what was uh what what happened after ice age uh, is is that I, th- I think they they leaned too far into it maybe again I, I I'm I, I'm not nearly as familiar with Blue Sky Studios release schedule as as Pixar's is but if I if, again correct me if I'm wrong but I I feel like they they went full Ice Age for a while and then decided to start branching off into into other different types of movies like Rio and um, and Epic I remember that was one of them I, I think they had a few yeah. more recently. Yeah, yeah, I think the most recent one was Spies in Disguise, that Will Smith vehicle. But I uh, oh, I saw that movie actually. I kind of like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it good? It was all right. It was pretty. It was it was funny. Okay, all right. Will Smith turns into a bird, right? That's yeah. yeah, (laughs) Hilarity ensues. Yeah, that was actually. I mean, they they yeah. Not not getting into a review of that movie, but I actually do think they handled some of the uh, how. What would Will Smith be as a bird? Uh, characteristics pretty well <laughs> they really captured the body language that's yeah, good that's yeah. good and again you know i have no doubt that the that the talent there was more than up to that task uh but i mean i i don't envy that position of having an early hit and trying to figure out what to do next um i think that dreamworks kind of found themselves in that position following shrek uh you know what? What do you? How do you follow up Shrek? And I think DreamWorks, it they also had sort of a rocky go of it, and maybe started to figure it out a bit around the time of like How to Train Your Dragon, Kung Fu Panda, yeah, you know, stuff like that. I feel um, like they're in another dip, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I feel that way too. But, yeah. Uh, bringing things back to Blue Sky, yeah. I mean, it's been it's been a little rocky. It's been kind of hit or miss. I, I appreciate that they're. They were willing for a while there to just sort of go out on a limb and make a weird idea that probably came from, you know, the imagination of someone right there in the studio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they they were all, I think, visually impressive. That goes without saying. Um, but I think that you and I agree that the most impressive thing that they did, maybe, was... Uh, translating the 2D world of Peanuts into 3D. Yeah, they did such a good job with that. I remember, I remember when this was first announced that they were making a Peanuts movie, and I remember mm-hmm. actually seeing. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm, I'm so excited for this!" But they didn't show, they didn't really show much about it. I think it was just an announcement followed by, and Blue Sky Studios is doing it, and I was like, "Oh god, I'm nervous." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way, you know, because that that property is big enough that any of the other uh, studios out there could have grabbed it. But uh, I got to say, I mean, I I shared a lot of the same doubts that you had going into it, John. Mm -hmm. But 
immediately after coming out of that movie, I was like, I have to buy the art of book. for yeah, This one, it was, it, because it was so well done. It was a technical achievement. The sort of, they built an entire engine, uh, that allowed them to do essentially the equivalent of a 2d asset swap that you do pretty frequently in the world of 2d animation mm -hmm. and make that for the world of 3d animation so that the weird sort of shifts in geometry that happen when peanuts characters turn their heads and stuff made sense somehow. Like they really broke down Charles Schultz's style mm -hmm. and really did their homework and made something specific for that movie. I don't know if it was necessarily a commercial success, but I know that for anybody like us that enjoys peanuts, mm -hmm. uh, it was a slam dunk. Yeah. It was also not only just visually appealing, but I thought it was, it was a pretty well-told story too, because yeah, I mean, if you remember old Charlie Brown shows, they're, they're pretty slow. I mean, they've, <laughs> they've aged as best as they could, you know, considering the themes around them, but you look back at them and they're like, all right, I think, uh, in today's, in today's world with, you know, every kid having some sort of ADHD, it's like <laughs> yeah. the, the attention yeah. spans a lot smaller. Um, and I think they were able to, to keep that pace, the feeling of the pace with not actually taking that slow pace. They balanced yeah, it really well. They were well. able to, yeah, inject just enough modern humor to keep nowadays kids entertained nowadays kids but yeah <laughs> those nowadays kids <laughs> making myself sound old yet again uh but yeah unfortunately uh one other sort of uh piece of bad news that came out of this bad news oh no there's their more final film yeah i'm sorry uh -oh. their final film which was only 10 months it only had 10 months left in production which in terms of feature length 3d animation is like nothing yeah it's basically done uh yeah uh nimona was the was the title of this one is never going to see the light of day now hmm. um and this one i had to look up because i i noticed in the article they said that it was based on an existing property and i dug a little bit john and uh as you do this is i do i'm i'm a digger uh nimona is a it's a fantasy web comic Okay. Like what a what an interesting piece of like inspiration media to pull from. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that I've seen any big studio take on webcomic content before. So yeah, uh, definitely heart goes out to the creator of Nimona because that would have been like a a dream come true, right? Yeah, man. Ah, uh, uh, that's that's. I mean, the bright side of this is. We don't exactly know what's happening to the folks at the studio. Like it is Disney. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Disney has uh, has places for animators to go. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, there's uh, there's there's plenty of movies that they can work on. I just I hope that um, I hope that the talent and the creativity that a lot of these folks had is still able to shine through it with the with the Disney polish, you know, or the, the Disney, I don't know, standard applied to it. Because, you know, whenever you see an animated film that's made by Disney, something about it is like, oh, that's a Disney movie. <laughs> yep. There's a, there's a certain, uh, je ne sais quoi about it. I don't even know if I'm using that term correctly. I Not used either. a term incorrectly on a previous episode and listened to it. And I was like, ah, oh, idiot. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> 
anyway, uh, yeah, I, I would say just to drop a little glimmer of hope in there for, for fans of blue sky, um, the IP, you know, Disney is, is not one to leave IP on the table. So they recognize the importance of ice age. And I've heard, uh, that they're planning to make an ice age series exclusive to Disney plus. Oh, they are. Maybe, maybe some, yeah. Yeah. Maybe some of those blue sky animators will find work doing that, which would be pretty cool. Okay. Well, okay, yeah, that'd be pretty cool for the animators, but I'm not entirely excited about that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's that's like saying, uh, I don't know, I'll say it anyway. It's like saying we need a Shrek series. I don't think we do. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough Shrek content that you could probably call it a series at this point. Probably, yeah. Yeah holiday spinoffs and whatnot but uh yeah there you have it so uh r.i.p blue sky uh yeah oh you know what before we move on to our next topic there there was one other thing that i uh that that i wanted to mention that i just remembered i think when you were talking Mm -hmm. about like the the technical uh system that they had to put together for translating you know charles schultz 2d comics into into 3d the only thing mm-hmm. that I can think of that had a similar challenge but was approached, I think, very differently was the Lego movie. I knew you were going to say that, and mm. I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> but but what's great about the Lego movie is they have Lego Movie 2, Lego mm-hmm. Ninjago, Lego Batman, and I think there's going to be another Lego Batman. And like they've, they've been able to take that technology and that universe and expand it and keep making more. And I'm worried that yeah. that's not going to happen with Peanuts now. Mm. Yeah, I, I know that um, Apple has been getting very like into buying up Snoopy lately. <laughs> oh, the Snoopy show. That's right. I think that came out recently. Uh, yeah, yeah. They've got a new a new all 2D uh peanuts universe to to dip into but um i don't know maybe yeah i I agree i would hate to see that tech go to waste um i I would imagine that there was some kind of plan for that at some point just to make it financially worth sort of creating something from scratch yeah um but yeah that's a good point john i'm glad you brought that up well i can't wait for us to talk about the mario movie when that comes out Oh God! I hope it's good. <laughs> oh, please be good. <laughs> oh man, if that gets messed up again, I I just don't I don't know if there's going to be a future for Mario in animation. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. That's a that's a that's a topic for another day because as we mentioned, we're keeping things Disney, and let's move to the brighter side because John, you informed me. That you're finally getting around to watching the Imagineering story on Disney Plus. I am, and I am. I'm actually. I'm really sad I didn't uh, get to it before because it is one of the first things that appeared on Disney Plus when it first launched. It was either it was either mm-hmm. that or watching uh, Jeff Goldblum, and I chose Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> <laughs> and I chose both. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, uh, the Imagineering show, I, I'm only three episodes in, so but but at the same time, like I don't think there can be spoilers because it's it's like a history lesson. Like it already happened. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. Um I want to be very careful about the way I talk about this because I've actually watched it through it, I think, twice now. <laughs> oh, really? Um and I know a lot of this stuff is is pretty well known, especially to Disney enthusiasts like you and I, but um there are 
moments throughout it that sort of tie it together into this broader narrative about just imagineering in general that I think you should, you'll know to expect them, but you probably won't be prepared for how they actually affect you. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's some really heartfelt stuff in there and I don't think you're quite there yet at episode three. Are you, or have, have you gotten, is Walt still around? No, Walt's not around anymore. Okay. All and, right. I can talk about that. Though. Yeah. And and I think that's, that's, that was kind of, uh, what really drew me in to the rest of the series. I mean, I was already really interested in this stuff anyway, but what really drew me in was, uh, that first episode was actually all about Walt, all about his vision, yeah. all about the things that he wanted to do and just how influential he was on everything, literally everything, every detail. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, when, when at the end of the episode, when, you know, he, he dies, spoiler alert, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, wait, I, I, I actually, I honestly didn't realize how early he passed away into this whole process. It was before Disney world was even started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, the, the planning had started, but yeah, the, uh, I don't think much if any ground had been broken yet right yeah it's yeah i think that's I yeah i think that's what i mean like it, he he thought it up he was like i want i want to do disney world but yeah. he just he wasn't able to to see it happen uh obviously roy roy disney kind of saw that through as um as much as he could but yeah i was i was yeah. it's it's really interesting just i think the biggest takeaway from again my first few episodes is just how much influence he had even after he passed away too of just you know, everybody always asking him, like, what would Walt do? Walt, you know, Im- imagine this and we're, we're realizing it. Walt did this and this is why we're here. And it's just it's crazy that I think even today that's still happening in Disney. Yeah, it really it speaks to the the uh, commitment, sort of the, the mission statement for for Disney. It, I think it's really easy for people to, you know, in some cases, rightfully so kind of focus on the sort of commercial uh just Leviathan that Disney tends to be, mm-hmm. you know, buying up properties and, you know, money, 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 but dial it back. And I mean, if you haven't already watched this documentary, because like John says, I think it really paints a picture of sort of the, the foundation of this company. And my other takeaway watching it was that this could not happen again. Like, yeah, uh, that's yeah. I was thinking the same exact thing. (laughs) There will never be another Disney like it just the the ability for Walt to secretly buy up a bunch of land in Florida, Mm -hmm. a bunch of swamp land and uh, get investors the sort of grassroots sort of style that he had about getting people on board to sponsor its construction or you know directly affect its construction uh today's dollars and cents it just it would not be possible it doesn't matter how rich or how eccentric you are i don't think not even elon musk could could put forth the capital required to make that happen in 2021 unless he does it on mars then (laughs) he's probably already planning it probably yeah but but yeah, you're, you're um, absolutely right. And it, yeah, it, it's I think even even if somebody of high profile were to be able to secretly buy land and spend that much money on it, 
Um, one, I don't think it would be that big of a secret uh, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, publicly traded companies, they're all, they, there, there are no secrets in, in publicly traded companies because they're nope. publicly traded. The, you know, investors need to know what the, those companies are investing in. And I just, if, if any company, even a well-off company were to announce that they purchased a city, a city's worth of land in some, some state that in the middle of nowhere for hundreds of millions of dollars, like no, that would not fly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, even, even if it were to somehow work, the, the person in charge would never be as detail oriented, I think as, as Disney was for his time. Like the, the fact that, you know, while building his team to make both Disneyland and Disney world, he knew right away that he was going to need the artists that were responsible for making the motion pictures to Mm -hmm. be directly involved in the creation of the park because their eye for the artistry of it all was going to be crucial to the all important immersion. You know, it's all about immersion with Walt. Yeah. And that has been a source of inspiration for me for my entire life. Basically ever since I, I went to Disney world as a, as a kid for the first time, like, and I, I think I have to credit that to my dad because he was the first to point out, like, look at that, Mike, that was all on purpose. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's just, there's no room for cutting corners in, in this project for Walt. And, you know, I don't know if it's because I've been so personally invested in this for such a long time, but when that, I think it is the third episode, right? Where Walt passes. Mm-hmm. No, I think, um, I think it's the first episode. Was it really the first episode? I think it was the end of the first episode. I mean, I, that's, I, I literally I watched know. it like two days ago so. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I'm still not hundred percent sure, but it's, it's earlier on than you think. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, to, to get back to the point, I think that it's, it probably has something to do with what a nerd I am, but when Walt passes and suddenly there's nobody at the wheel of this crazy pirate ship and you're watching men who lost this friend and colleague decades and decades ago, still get teary eyed about it. Mm-hmm. It just, it wrecked me, dude. I was destroyed. <laughs> like, I, it really, it, it, uh, it made me shed man tears. Yeah. Uh, it also made me really want to go tears. to Disney to appreciate all of this, you know, ha- having this backstory now, um, yeah. or just like understanding just how much like people poured into this. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it, it, I think it's something that I've personally always admired about Disney too. And, you know, it's, it's clear when you look at, when you compare Universal Studios, hopefully Hopefully not, you know, Super Nintendo world when, when we go there. But <laughs> yep. the major difference is just the quality uh, yeah. of literally everything at the yeah, park. Everything really, has a reason for existing. It does. And it's, it's, that, it's that unique 50-50 split between technology and imagination that I think makes all the difference. Because a park like Universal... I feel like is very technology forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll get to see really impressive things. I mean, all of all of the Harry Potter attractions are definitely can't miss 
things. However, I will say that none of them quite grabbed me by the heartstrings, uh, you know, like it, like a Disney attraction would. Yep. I mean, they, it's really hard to pin down because they look really good. I'm not talking about the way that they look. There's just, there's an underlying sort of hard to detect inspiration that just isn't quite the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I, I know what yeah. you mean. I think I think one of my favorite things that I again only three episodes in. I'm, I'm sure I'll have more favorite things, but I think uh, one of the things that that kept sticking out to me was just how often people were uh, yanked outside of their comfort zones, like mm-hmm. pulling artists into doing you know robotics and pulling you know <laughs> painters into sculpting castles, and, and it's just like. again it it goes back to like walt just taking a risk and being you know like hey can you can you work on this and they're like uh me like are you sure you have the right i've never done anything (laughs) like that before and he's like no it's fine (laughs) he'll figure it out and it's just there are so many times so many little things that could have that could have made disney go wrong and somehow it still turned out great it's true I think that's that's definitely one of the other things that he was better at than most people. I mean, I, I think the sign of any good sort of creative director, visionary, is to focus on seeing talent, to see the potential in people, and maybe give them more credit than they would give themselves. Yeah. You know, like to to see the sort of growth possibilities in your in your team. Uh, he was definitely. He had that honed in because he was not, I mean, going way, way back. Yes, he was he was the one originally making the the old Mickey Mouse cartoons, even doing the voice and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But he was the first to acknowledge that he was pretty quickly outpaced by some of the artists that he hired to do things that he used to do. Yep. Uh, I think there's a there's an anecdote that he shares where uh, some girl asks him, you know, Mr. Disney, do you do you draw all the pictures in your films? And he goes, well, you know, no, I, I, I don't. I have a team of people that do that. And she keeps going through all these different, well, do you do this? Do you do that? No, no, I've got people for that. <laughs> he goes, well, what do you do? <laughs> so, yeah, I, it, I'm just endlessly charmed by all that. And um, I don't know. Do you, do you John, have a, a favorite sort of piece of Imagineering on display right now in Disney parks? Oh, that is that's such a good question. I think um uh I'm going to have to go. So I mean there are some amazing technical achievements that have come out over the time o- over the years um since Disneyland first came out. Um I mean even things like the Little Mermaid ride at California Adventure like that's some pretty mm-hmm. advanced character modeling and the Cars ride at California Adventure too like oh, boy, that, yeah. that oh that's so good. But I think over time, it didn't start out as one of my favorite rides, but slowly turned into one was the Haunted Mansion. Oh, you stole my answer. <laughs> Did you? Oh, okay. I, I had no idea that was also yours. Okay. So maybe we agree for the same reasons, but it, it just the older I got and, and you know, the, the more I went through it, I it... it, it changed how i look at the ride in general at first it was just going to be like this ooh, the scary spooky haunted mansion i hope i don't you know get scared you know uh-huh. like six or seven years old like going into this thing it's like i have these 
you know, crazy imagination running wild about what's going to happen. But (laughs) when you keep going through it, it's just, it just, something about it just feels so much more like a, um, this experimental playground that these, that these people, uh, that these Imagineers really formed a theme around, but we're just willing to try all these crazy things that somehow to this day are still impressive without any changes. Yeah. Yeah, It really is uh, sort of a gallery of some of Imagineering's best work. Uh, You know, of course the first one that comes to mind is the ballroom scene with the dancing ghosts. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's still a lot of people out there that see that and just go, those are real ghosts. <laughs> I mean, like, how could that be happening? I'm not going to lie. They even uh, explained that in, in the documentary and I still don't, I still don't quite understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very creative twist on an old, uh, magician's trick called Pepper's ghost. Mm-hmm. And it, it is done to extraordinary effect in there. And I think that the, the limitations of the technology on display in that ride also kind of work for it because one of the things that you had to kind of deal with with Pepper's Ghost was just the fact that everything is very lighting dependent and the result that you're going to get is a little bit translucent, which for the Haunted Mansion is choice, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, that Haunted Mansion technology is being blown up to a much bigger scale in some of Imagineering's upcoming stuff. I don't know if you've been following this, John, but there's a lot of new stuff coming to the parks. I know uh, nothing about their upcoming stuff, and I'm very excited to hear about this. Okay. All right. Well, let's start with that technology. Um, They have refined it and and blown it up and made it sort of a, a high resolution version of that for two different attractions. Uh, they are building not too far from Hollywood Studios right now a hotel called the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser. You haven't heard about this? I've heard of. Okay, wait. Is this the is this the hotel that you can stay in? Yeah, this is a this is an all immersive two day two night commitment. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> very right. very expensive one, I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, for for you and your family, uh, and. This is this is some galaxy brain stuff because the the concept is that it's basically a cruise ship that never leaves land. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get that immersion, you basically pull up to a building that is made to look like sort of the launching bay for shuttles that takes you up to the Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> and from the moment you step through those doors and register and get your room keys or whatever crazy Star Wars equivalent of that. You do not see the outside world. <laughs> oh, that's right. Which because sounds... all of the windows are basically screens that are simulating where you're supposed to be, right? That's exactly correct. And uh, every single guest room has a window out into space. And it's done to varying sizes based on the size of the room. And then the largest iteration of it is in sort of these large public uh, bridges on the ship, so to speak. Uh, where they're using a wraparound display that is sort of, you know, it's it's combining it's combining haunted mansion technology with Disney animation technology, dating all the way back to uh, their earliest films, Pinocchio, mm-hmm. Cinderella, Bambi. This multi-plane technology where the camera would physically move through layers of uh, 
of the the background creating that sort of correct parallax to make it look right. Okay. So imagine layering these technologies and being able to then look out the window and see not just a picture of space being shown to you on a on a screen, but space with depth where the star field is in the very back, but then a layer forward there are say planets and asteroids and then a layer forward there are tie fighters being shot down and exploding i'm so and all of this <laughs> all of this holds up from any viewing angle because it's all being done in a dome that surrounds the the windows i'm sold when does I know, it open right <laughs> i don't have that in front of me but you might have a hard time getting tickets right away uh Anyway, they're using a similar technology. I'm going to try to keep this concise because I know we're, we're starting to run out of time. There's a new uh, restaurant called Space 220 that's opening uh, at Epcot. Mm-hmm. And it is sort of a similar idea. Instead of taking a, a uh, you know, drop ship up to the base station or whatever, you are taking a space elevator up to this restaurant that resides up at like satellite level. Uh Including like as you wait for your table, you are in a simulated space elevator and you see Florida descending below you. (laughs) Like, oh, it's just it's so exciting and I can't wait for a chance to see it in person. Um, This sounds like the best thing to come out of Disney buying Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I I think that's that's going to be super cool. Uh, Speaking of Star Wars, they experimented this with this a little bit at the opening of galaxy's edge, but uh, they've made super lightweight X wings that are built onto frameworks around drones. So that as you are making your way through galaxy's edge, there are actually X wings and other ships flying over your head. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I still super cool. Uh, I really, really, really want to go to galaxy's edge. That's they, Me too. it was hard to get in at first. And then, you know, the world changed. Ah, I want to go. I want to go so bad. Is it? It's open in Disney World too now, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's at Hollywood Studios. Um, I can't wait to go either. We're gonna have to get tickets. You mm-hmm. and I, John. Let's do it. Yeah, back to back. Galaxy's Edge and Super Nintendo World. <laughs> yep, it's gonna be a great year. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not uh, an expensive one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, and then just kind of. Looking even more forward a little bit, I know that right now in Disneyland, they are creating an entire Avengers-themed area. Yep. I'm excited for those, For that, Oh, yeah. All kinds of experiences to have there. But the latest piece of Imagineering there are animatronics that can be launched through the air. What? Um, (laughs) They released demo footage of this. There's actually, there are YouTube channels for Walt Disney Imagineering and Disney Research Hub. The latter of which is like super nerdy, like not really designed for anybody, but like tech enthusiasts. Uh Uh, Definitely check those out. But footage of this idea came about a long time ago. Um, But this is basically exactly what it sounds like. Animatronics that can animate and pose, but can also be launched through the air and land safely in other sort of backstage areas. So imagine Spider-Man flying up over overhead and just like, it looks like a real, (laughs) a real person. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah. As he, as he reaches the crest of his, of his flight path, he hits that iconic, like Spider-Man pose 
it was clear to everybody exactly what it was for. And then they, they later confirmed it. So, uh, so much stuff to look forward to, John. Wow. That's, um, I, you know, everything that you described is actually, I feel like in some form I've seen pictures of it, but I didn't really under, I, like, I didn't put two and two or whatever numbers together to, to, uh, to connect that this is the future of Imagineering, that this is the next, this is basically yeah. what Disney parks are becoming. Yep. Yep. That's exciting. It's, it's really fascinating to keep up with and something that I could talk your ear off all night about, but I think that we probably should wrap things up here. What do you think? Probably. Yeah. So are we going to go right now? <laughs> <laughs> so you want to go? Yeah. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We probably should, you know? Uh, so this has been a lot of fun, John. Uh, we will see all of you next time right here on Tendo Talk. Bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> Still so bad. <laughs> <laughs>